0: Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. On today's show, we're back! Yep, we're officially international now, and we're back to our regularly scheduled programming. Today, we're kicking off the month of August by diving into that classic summer event, the potluck. What better way to celebrate the dog days of summer than with some perfect desserts to share outdoors? We're starting with a peach and blueberry crumble to use up some of that sweet summertime fruit. We'll also mind our P's and Q's when we take a look at some etiquette-related advice around potlucks and step into the language lab to decipher the difference between crisps, crumbles, brown beddies, and all the rest. So pour yourself a cup of coffee or a spot of tea and get ready for some sweet talk.
1: Stefan, welcome. It's so good to talk to you again.
0: Andrea, I'm almost shaking. I'm just so excited to hear your voice. It's been like eight weeks. I mean, it's been a really long time, hasn't it? Just I I have lost all track of time. It's been
1: a while and certainly um lives have changed. I'm <laughs> I'm back in my regular studio, but you are broadcasting from a new location. So give us a, a quick little eyes view of what you're looking at now from your new spot in London.
0: Well, this is the se- actually the second time I've recorded. I did our last quick bite oh, from right. my kitchen um, but this is the first time we've done a full-length episode and the first time I've talked to you. Uh, so you know um, the the bird's eye view is that we have no furniture or very little <laughs> furniture. <laughs> So if you looked down, you would see me at my kitchen counter and I, we have some Ikea bar stools that we got so we could eat a proper meal at our, at our kitchen, um, countertops, but our sea shipment that has all of our furniture from Seattle should hopefully be in the country on uh, this week, this Wednesday, which means hopefully by next week it will have cleared customs and we will have like a couch and a dining room table and other things like that. So um, listeners, if you're hearing any kind of echoey sound, it's mostly due to the fact that I am in an empty, empty house. <laughs>
1: Well, I know, though, that you must have gotten what I consider the essentials, which is the kitchen appliances, because we're d- recording the show today. So uh, have you gotten some shipments of
0: things like toasters, and are your ovens working, and that sort of thing? Oh, yes. So you're right. I okay. mean, the priorities, okay. of course. <laughs> good, good, good. <laughs> of course. So, yes, I should clarify. We had two shipments coming. One was an air shipment. That got here within about less than two weeks. It was very, very okay. fast. And that, yes, of course, what did I pack in that? My clothes and my kitchen stuff. So... No problem. Um, The kitchen is working well, and I will talk more about that in upcoming episodes. But we have um, an induction stovetop, so I'm getting used to that. That's not something I've used before. One of the ones with
1: the they turn bright red and they're
0: flat. They are. So it it just looks kind of like a black rectangular glass. Mm -hmm. It's very smooth, and it only works if you put a pan, a stainless that has some kind of stainless steel in it to conduct the induct the heat and um, so that's all new to me and it's so far so great. Uh, It boils water in about three minutes. It's, It's incredibly
1: fast. I love it. But does it go down in heat as fast as well? That's what I would be worried about. Like if you need to go from a boil
0: to a simmer... It does, yeah. And and then wow. when you turn it off, I, I was thinking I'm gonna forget put my hand like right on top of this thing. But it has this kind of convenient um, H for hot that kind of like glows up on the uh, on the on the pad. So at least you're you're looking at like a glaring neon light for a while. But okay. um, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. And then um, I'm lucky enough in this new kitchen to have two ovens, which is kind of a lifelong dream. And uh, we oh. had talked, I think, before about um they're smaller they're definitely smaller yes, yes. they they certainly are uh and <laughs> one is even one's even smaller than the other one and it also turns into a microwave which is fascinating and I'm really getting used to that i you know, part of this, Andrea, I don't know if it's that I'm in a different country or if it's that I have not shopped for large appliances in 20 years. You know, perhaps right. these ovens that turn into microwaves are really commonplace in the States now. I don't know. But right. um, but the, the smaller of the two ovens also converts to a microwave. So that's really no, cool. That,
1: that reminds me in uh, 2005 when I went to buy a new car. I, um, your i kept, Jetta. Was this your Jetta? This was right. Well, this was right after my Jetta because the Jetta was used. So, this was the first time I was getting a brand new car. And I remember as I was shopping, I kept saying to the car salesman things like, Well, I really like the cup holder on this one. <laughs> and um, the car salesman at a certain point said, Ma'am, cup holders are now standard on cars. <laughs> this should not be a decision factor for you. Every new car you buy will have cup holders. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh, what will they think of next? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's hard to know if this is um, cultural or just, uh, just a new appliance in general. But um, the, oh. kitchen, the kitchen is great and I'm having um, a good time already. And I can't wait to tell you more and tell our listeners more about the, uh, the, the trials and tribulations. And I'm looking forward to tackling some more recipes and, and really turning it on and getting going.
1: Well, I know we can't wait to hear about it. And um, we have sort of built into our show listeners opportunities for um, us to plunder stuff with questions about (laughs) cooking and eating in London. So have no fear. It will come up again. On my side over here, I have returned home from my bike trip, so it is so wonderful to be back in my own kitchen. You know, after you travel for, uh, in our case, it was about 15 days, you just get so tired of eating out. And even though a lot of the places we stayed in were Airbnbs and we could go to the grocery store and cook, uh, you still don't cook the way you would cook at home because you don't have all your stuff. You don't, you know, you don't have your spices and your olive oils and, you know, that sort of thing. So... It has been really nice to get back home and be back in my own kitchen. And uh, I came back at a great week because our local berry farm this week uh, brought out their marion berries. And so... My favorite. Yeah, yeah. My favorite. So yesterday I bought a flat of marionberries and a flat of raspberries. And I left them on the kitchen counter and I told my husband, you know, let's just eat a few of these and I'll freeze the rest for pies and desserts and that sort of thing. And I noticed this morning, I thought, well, I better freeze these pretty fast because we are
0: plowing through them. Yeah. You <laughs> can't so stop. Good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I've been really pleasantly surprised with the fruit here too. I mean, it. I guess, I guess it shouldn't surprise me. England is a small island. And so when they say yeah. like local produce, it's, pretty true. I mean, all of their agricultural areas are not far from London. So all of their um, stone fruits and strawberries, everything Mm. is coming into season here too. And it's been really delightful. (sighs) Yummy. Are you, um, when you're on, you know, um, eating out every day sounds like, you know, people think, oh, how could that be so hard? But I, I know what you mean. When we were settling in here, it was the same. We just, we couldn't cook properly. We didn't have, right. you know, enough like salt or these very basic things you kind of take for granted. And yes. um, you do get tired of of just having to choose a restaurant and just go through the whole rigmarole of dining out. And I know it's a real wonderful problem to have but um
1: well and I I find that I get tired of uh, fancy so I was at one Italian restaurant and I remember saying to the man could I just get some plain broccoli, just like steamed or broiled, but with no sauce, no cheese, no pine nuts, no, you know, it was like that night I just wanted plain, you know, and everything, obviously in a restaurant, they always sort of zhuzh it up and and that justifies you paying the the extra money for it. But you get to the point where it's like, I would like a broiled chicken breast and a side of broccoli.
0: (laughs) And I'd like to eat this in my sweatpants on my couch, so... (laughs) Well, that would be even better. <laughs> I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, we are going to, um we're just so excited to be back with everyone. And uh, we are going to jump into this month, which we're both really excited about, which is a kind of this theme of potlucks and summertime cooking. And the first recipe we are going to talk about is the Barefoot Contessa's peach and blueberry crumble. Andrea, I think you and I have both had really good success with Ina Garten's recipes. Is this one you've made before?
1: I haven't, um. Made the peach and blueberry combination before, but I can't think of a single time I've made an Ina Garten recipe that it hasn't turned out well. Yeah, I love her recipes. I just think they are simple. They usually have a little bit of a twist, something that maybe is just a tiny little bit different, but not not something that I have to run to the store to get some exotic spice for or something. And I just saw this one, and I thought uh, this just sounds perfect to me, and especially with the word crumble. You know, when I'm thinking about picnics and potlucks, I. Think think about something that um, isn't too beautiful, because as soon as the first person cuts into it, you know, then it's just going to be sitting there on the table for everyone to see. So that's why this particular one jumped out at me and grabbed me.
0: Yeah, and I agree. Um I've had very great success with Ina's recipes. This one is she likes to do this a lot which is put these in individual ramekins. I don't have enough individual ramekins, so my variation will be making a big crumble. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you going to do individuals? What do you think? I'm I'm going to do individuals because I have them and
1: because I'm going to probably freeze about half of them. There was a note down at the bottom of the recipe that you could Um, prepare this ahead of time and then put it in the fridge and bake it later. And so some of them I'm going to put into those wide mouth one cup mason jars and just put a lid on it and stick them in the freezer. Because one thing that was so fun coming home from my bike trip, of course, the fridge had been cleaned out because we did that before we left. So we got home and we we literally had almost no food in the house. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I went to, as my husband calls, my dessert drawer in the (laughs) oven (laughs) and i pulled out those strawberry rhubarb that's um, right. little mini pies that mary beth had recommended that i make you know weeks maybe even months ago yeah and yeah. so it was so fun and on our first night home i popped those in the in the oven and my husband like i pulled them out and he was like how did you have time to make these? What did you make these with? And I said, they came from the dessert drawer. And he was like, oh. Now, of course, I had no ice cream or, you know, whipped topping to put
0: on top, which which would have been perfect. But they were absolutely fine just the way they were. And especially just being back in your own home and having yes. that there. All oh, the best. Um, so listeners, we would love it if you tried Ina's um, peach and blueberry crumble along with us. And we will post a link to that on our website, preheatedpodcast.com. This is episode 38 and we'll also throw that up on Facebook and Pinterest and uh, again Barefoot Contessa Peach and Blueberry Crumble. We hope you all will try
1: it. Our next segment, we're going to talk about potluck etiquette, and for this particular conversation, we were lucky enough to interview a dear friend of mine who is an etiquette expert, and she typically focuses on business etiquette, but fortunately, she's happy to talk about all things etiquette, and so um, I hope you'll take a listen and enjoy the conversation I had with Arden Kleiss at Kleiss Etiquette about the etiquette of a potluck. Please welcome Arden Kleiss, etiquette expert, best-selling author, and owner of Kleiss Etiquette from Seattle, Washington. Welcome, Arden.
2: Thank you, Andrea.
1: Well, I'm not sure if um, many of your etiquette calls uh, come on the topic of potlucks, but you were the very first person I thought of when we started (laughs) discussing this topic. I know first congratulations are in order for you. You recently had a book published called Spinach in Your Boss's Teeth. Essential Etiquette for Professional Success. So congratulations.
2: Oh, thank you.
1: I know that I have been recommending this book to a lot of friends who are looking for college graduation gifts. And, you know, I think back in the day when I graduated from college, people gave me a briefcase. I don't think that's done anymore. Um, But I... (laughs) I thought what a perfect gift for a new college graduate starting out in their professional career because etiquette is such a big part of the workplace and I think an area that certainly is not covered, I'm guessing, in most college curriculums.
2: Very true. It's the new briefcase full of good information, helpful information for anyone in the professional world.
1: And potlucks, once again, not typically thought of in the professional sense, although I did start thinking about the fact that as more and more corporate budgets have been slashed, I actually have been seeing more potlucks in the workplace. So it seems like coworkers will say, hey, let's throw a potluck baby shower for this particular employee and coworker." And maybe in the past, a company would have, you know, kicked in and provided some funds for that. But these days, they're like, uh, absolutely, you can use the
2: conference room, but you're on your own otherwise. So true. Yes. Budgets have been cut. And I think more and more people are comfortable with potluck. So, you know, it's like kind of the next thing to do. Yeah.
1: Well, one thing that came up immediately when my co-host, Stefan, and I started talking about Potlucks is she mentioned her husband is a little bit hesitant with them from a kind of germ slash sharing food standpoint. And it made me think um, that perhaps etiquette is a way of mitigating those fears or that situation. Um, Etiquette (laughs) often surprises me in its ability to solve many problems. So let's just jump right in and maybe talk about the etiquette around potlucks. Do you have a couple of tips or simple rules you can offer to us, first from the standpoint of the people who are going to the potluck and bringing a dish?
2: Sure, yeah, so lots of things around being a guest. So one of the things to think about when you're bringing a dish is uh, make sure it's something that you don't have to spend a lot of time preparing, you know, because usually the space for preparing something is limited. Often the oven is not available or others are using it so bring something that is pretty much ready to go including the container it needs to go in the utensils anything that's 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 going to be needed for serving it because so often you'll come and the host will say you know or the host might be busy and doesn't have time to find you utensils so come prepared Yeah, the Um,
1: serving utensil is the one that gets me every time. I I think I have everything I need. And then I realize no, I need a big spoon or I need a big slotted spoon. And especially if you're at the office or you're at someone's house, you don't want to go digging through their drawers and trying to find something like that.
2: Exactly. Yes, yes. So another one is, um, you know, because it's a potluck and people around you are bringing their favorite dish. Most likely, or a dish they spent time working on. Be very careful about your stating your dislikes. In fact, don't just dis- share your <laughs> dislikes <laughs> because the person who made that tuna noodle casserole could be standing right next to you that you didn't like. Um, so, but the opposite side of that is to be complimentary, especially loudly <laughs> about anything that you really did like for the same reason. So yeah, be careful of what what negative things you're saying.
1: You know, that's a really good point. I I don't know that I ever articulated that. But I think I do think about that as I am standing in line, because I often think about as I'm passing something over, just sort of in my head thinking, I'm not going to eat that because it has peas in it. I don't like peas. But I certainly wouldn't say that out loud for fear that the person who made it might take offense to that.
2: So great. Exactly. Yeah, so true, Andrea. Yeah. So keep those little thoughts to yourself. <laughs> um, I think we should address the question that you brought up, which is, you know, the whole your friend doesn't like to go to Pollux because of germs. So definitely do not use your fingers and no double dipping. Mm. <laughs> that Seinfeld episode mm. about double dipping <laughs> chips in the salsa or the guacamole or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, germs are a real thing. So keep the fingers, mouths, et cetera, out of there and use utensils and don't double dip.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, where I've seen this... um well, actually, two places I've seen it. Um One place, which was absolutely terrifying, was when I was at a large software company in Redmond, Washington, to remain unnamed.
2: <laughs> and as I
1: walked by a table, it, it wasn't a potluck, but it was a group eating kind of situation. And as I walked by a table, I saw a rather unkempt young man Literally put his hand into a bowl of either potato salad or macaroni salad, something along those lines, and scoop it onto his plate. And I just thought to myself, I am not eating anything from this table. So that was scary. Um, And the other place where I see the germ issue come up is with kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have a kid, I understand how hard it is. They're so excited about kind of having free reign (laughs) over this table (laughs) of food. And it is tempting as a parent to let them load up on their own. But, you know, they don't always understand, um, hey, don't use your hands or hey, there's, you know, 12 brownies, you can't take four of them, you know, that kind of thing. Right,
2: right. Yeah, kids are a whole nother uh, topic. But, you know, (laughs) um, one thing that I would say, and, and, you know, this falls again under bring utensils, but even something that you think would be innocuous and wouldn't need utensils, like let's say you brought a a bag of M&Ms or, Mm -hmm. you know, something that is essentially finger food. But Mm -hmm. you need to have some little spoon or something that people can, yeah, a cup. So they're not putting their fingers in and and spreading germs on that. So, yeah.
1: Right. right. That's a great, great point. Mm -hmm. Well, let's flip it and talk about if you're the person hosting the potluck. Are there some guidelines or some suggestions you have from an etiquette standpoint of how to host a successful
0: potluck?
2: Well, I think it's useful, and this may go against what many people think of a potluck being, but that is, I think it's really useful when you give some kind of broad guidelines. You don't have to ask every person to tell you what they're bringing, because you know, but I think maybe you could have a sign-up sheet that has slots for, you know, five salads and, uh, you know, four entrees and dessert, you know, um, mm-hmm. so that, mm-hmm. so that you're sort of, you get a sense that you're going to have everything covered. Uh, I think personally, I think that's really useful. And then I think, oh, good, I'm not going to be bringing, you know, the 10th plate of you know, the 10th bowl of kale solid. Right. So, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So another one is be prepared for needy guests. So, you know, not everyone's going to bring their utensil or the bowl, you know, maybe they stopped at the store and they got a container to go and they want it to look nice. So they show up and they're like, Hey, can you give me a bowl and I need a spoon and, or I just bought this and, or I made this and I need to have it heated up. Can I use the oven? So just be prepared for those guests that are going to show up that are going to need some extra attention and, and, you know, have everything ready to go for them.
1: That is so true, especially for the people who buy store bought and then want to put it in a bowl. And I am one of those people, so I promise you, I'm not judging, um, mm-hmm. because I hate. I, you know, there are times where, for whatever reason, because I'm traveling or something, I'm not going to make something myself. And when I buy it at the store, you know, I just don't want to serve it in that sort of. Uh, you know, metal container or plastic container It just looks so much nicer if it's on a platter. So right. that's a really um, good thing. I mean, as a guest, I now want to be thinking about that to make sure I bring that. But sure. as a host being prepared for people who are going to want to do that, that's a great idea.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, again, as a potluck, even though it seems like it's a little more free range, a little bit less formal, more casual, Still treat your guests like you would if you were hosting any other party, you know, greet them at the door and um, offer, show them either where the drinks are or offer to get them a drink, Mm -hmm. you know, be a good host, welcoming hostess.
1: Yes. Okay. Great reminder. Um, Final question we'd love to ask you, not specific to potlucks, but hopefully something you're interested in. If you could only have one dessert for the rest of your life, what would it be?
2: (laughs) Oh, Andrea, that is a hard question because I love pretty much all desserts. <laughs> but you know, one of my most favorite, if it's done right, and it's not always done right, but if it's done right, tiramisu. Mm. Oh.
1: So good. And so what do you mean when you say if it's done right? What
2: well so a tiramisu has to have the right moistness to it. So it can't be too dry. I don't know if you have you ever had tiramisu?
1: I have had it um I mean it's something I typically would get at an Italian restaurant but I mm-hmm. also I made one I want to say maybe 10 or 15 years ago that has stuck in my head and funnily enough it is one that I often bring uh to potlucks or think of bringing and it was a mango tiramisu. Ooh,
2: so that it was the same so good.
1: You know, same concept with the sponge um, sponge cake or the lady fingers, and then it had this mango sauce, um, and oh then it was my. soaked in, I think, like a peach brandy, so it was more tropical sure. than the typical, you know, rum-based one, but um, it still had the mascarpone cream, and it was still, you know, fabulous.
2: Oh, that sounds so great, especially for the summer and that way, I yes. could have not just the chocolate one, but I could have a tropical one. I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make sure I post a link to that one in the show notes. You know, the the one reason I've hesitated to bring it at potlucks, even though it, it does come to mind often, is just I do feel like it needs the refrigeration, and so yes. I'm. I am, I don't want to take up someone's refrigerator space because I know that's often at a premium. And I don't necessarily know, you know, if you're going to a party and they say, you know, come by anytime after three and we'll have dinner. It's like, how long are things going to be sitting out? I get a little anxious about that.
2: Yes. Good point. Absolutely. Good point, Andrea. Yeah. Well,
1: Well, I'll keep my eye open for a really good tiramisu for you.
2: Good. Please do (laughs) send it my way. Arden, thank you
1: so much for offering your tips and your advice. And listeners, I highly recommend you check out Arden's book, Spinach in Your Boss's Teeth, Essential Etiquette for Professional Success. Um, I am often encouraging Arden to start what I call an etiquette 911 service, which is where I call her immediately after I've committed some sort of etiquette blunder and she talks me off the ledge. So I think you'll find her advice as sound and as sensible as I do as well as incredibly helpful.
2: Well, you're very kind, Andrea. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And I'm here for you anytime. (laughs) Thank you, Arden.
0: (laughs) So I love many things about you. The fact that you have an etiquette expert on like speed dial is just... (laughs) I it do. Is and so I, rad.
1: I love it. <laughs> I have, I have shamelessly used her. I think I mentioned in that interview, I, I keep telling her, I wish you would start a service called Etiquette 911. I can think of two particular times in my life. One was a family situation and one was a business situation where I called her and I said, Arden, I think I've made a horrible mistake. <laughs> and, you know, what I just love about her is she doesn't, poo-poo me and say, oh, no, that's no big deal. Or, oh, no, she says she in both situations, she was like, I can see why you would be concerned. Obviously, that didn't go the way you had planned. You know, let's talk about what we can do to fix the situation. And one of the things that I love best about her is once she comes up with a plan and she says, go ahead and execute your plan. So in, in the first case, I sent a gift card and a handwritten note to the person. And in the second case, I had to sort of disengage myself in a potential business relationship with a person. And I did it with just a very short and sweet email instead of the um, long diatribe I had composed in my head. Okay. You know, she gives that advice of once you've once you've done that, you just move on. You know, you don't mm-hmm. dwell on it. You don't think about it. You don't lose sleep over it. We all make mistakes. We're all human. There are ways to recover and you recover and you go on with your life.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's also common sense in many ways. But at the same time, you need someone to guide you through kind of those minefields about what if I say the wrong thing or but I love how she's just like, stick to this plan and go with it.
1: Yeah. And And I just really enjoyed talking to her. And I hope you didn't mind me sharing with her uh, your husband's feelings
0: about (laughs) potluck's.
1: Or as I've learned, I think you call them garden parties
0: now. (gasps) Right. So they do have potlucks here. And I'll talk more about that next episode. Um, Yeah. Very exciting to find that out. You know, my husband would not be uh, unhappy at all that you've called. It's just a thing. He just has such an aversion to potlucks for exactly those reasons that you talked Mm -hmm. about. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know who prepared this. What were they licking their fingers? What were they touching? (laughs) Their dog while they were making this potato salad. All of that. And I have, uh, I'll I'll poo-poo that, and then we'll go someplace, and something incredibly gross will happen, and I'll I'll just look <laughs> at him and say like I have to, you, you, you another point Darned. from your side. You're like, <laughs> so last year, um, my daughter's fifth grade graduation party, they had, have you seen? they like um, a motorized like chocolate fountain, and I, it, it's some kind of like oh, chocolate sure. syrup, and you know it's it's supposed to be very like elegant and and grand. And mm-hmm. I look over at one point during the night, and there are about six 10-year-old boys uh, like head at an angle just like tricking <gasps> from the chocolate oh. fountain. <laughs> and it it drips down in and then recirculates. Oh my god. Andrea.
1: Oh no.
0: I think I just, like, just set thinking. my plate down at that point and we, it, we quietly exited. <laughs> well, I'll take
1: your chocolate fountain and top you on oh. that one because... I went to a wedding once and it had a beautiful outdoor reception and, you know, we walked in and you saw the, you know, the food and the tables and the bride and the groom weren't there yet. You know how typically the guests kind of get to the reception before the bride and groom do. And so we were all waiting for them to show up and I saw there was a dessert table sort of out of the corner of my eye, but I didn't really pay attention to it. And a few minutes before the bride and groom showed up, this little girl went by me and she was wearing this adorable white Eyelet summer dress, and it had these brown spots all over it. And I thought to myself, like, what has she been rolling in the mud? Or, you know, what? where did that come from? And then another little kid went by in these same brown spots. I thought, what is going on? So I sort of followed where they were coming from. And all these little kids, they weren't dipping their heads in, thank goodness, but they were dipping their hands in. So they were sticking their hands into the chocolate fountain. They were then putting their hands into their mouth. And then, of course, they were wiping their hands on their clothing yes, to get rid of the evidence, I'm sure they thought. So I just thought, oh, gosh, in terms of etiquette, it broke so many rules, like, you know, eating before the bride and groom are even yes! there, before they've had the chance to go. And then the kids were just filthy. So some of them were in the wedding party. And I thought, well, there goes those pictures.
0: Oh, no. <laughs> you know? oh, no. But. Uh, but
1: it was actually, it's also kind of one of those things that's just kind of fun to see. And I thought, well, how fun
0: for those kids. Um, But I passed on that particular um, dessert. A, a wise like. choice. A wise choice. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks for another great interview. And um, I think there may be lots of opportunities to chat with Arden as the show progresses. I can think I of think some so. other foodie etiquette things. So we'll keep well, her on speed dial.
1: Yes. You know, I thought the one thing that she didn't suggest, and I I thought of as my very first thing that I think of when I'm preparing food for a potluck, was how messy it is to eat. I mean, she talked about making sure you have all the utensils and the plates and and that sort of thing. But I often um think to myself, I'd like to bring something that could be eaten with your fingers if necessary, so that If we run out of spoons or forks or whatever, you could still eat it. You know, so for example, a brownie as opposed to a chocolate fountain, you know, or something
0: like that. Well, and you know what Um, I was reminded of when we did our chocolate churro chex mix back in December and you were saying how how do you stop getting the chocolate all over your hands? And so we had kind of brainstormed at that point that if you were gonna take it to a party or an event with you know, more than just your family touching it, basically, to put just, like, a little, um, you know, stainless steel scoop or a plastic scoop to take that with. And that's exactly that yes. she suggested that. For something you wouldn't necessarily think about, like M&Ms, right? I mean, that's a right. grab-and-go thing, but mm-hmm. you don't want 35 people grabbing and going. It's just, yeah. So...
1: Well, and if you don't have a scoop, what I have done, and I've done this at other people's potlucks, um, just taken a little bit of initiative there, is there's almost always plastic cups on hand. And so you can just toss one of those cups in the bowl if you see that a scoop is not being used. And um, people can use that as a scoop. So if you don't have an official scoop, you you can find some sort of vehicle to get that food onto your plate
0: without using your hands. I think that's called a vigilante potluck uh, expert. Yes. (laughs) Well, my um my thought on
1: potlucks related, you know, you told me your husband's feeling on potlucks. My husband is so funny because he almost every potluck we go to will suggest some just horrifyingly difficult thing for people to eat for me to bring. And he'll you know, the last one, he was like, Why don't we make wings? Okay. And I was like, Are you kidding me? Okay. You know, right. they're just so messy and you're you're You definitely eat those with your hands, and then there's usually some sort of dipping action. And um, I just thought, like, I can't think of anything worse or messier to bring. Um, But it did remind me, you know, when you're dating someone, how you sort of put your – I don't know if it's your best foot forward, but maybe it's, you know, you're, you're, you're not letting your, your true colors show perhaps yeah, right. at the very beginning. Like in the first blush so my, of
0: love, right? Yes. Uh-huh.
1: Yes. yes. So my husband and I often reminisce about how um, I actually took him to Wing Dome on our second date. And uh, so he was just in heaven thinking he had met a girl who loved wings. When in fact, during that whole meal, I just averted my eyes because I could not stand to watch people eat wings. And even worse, I can't stand to slowly see that little pile of bones stack up. I just, it just, it doesn't work for me. Um, uh,
0: So um, an aside, so Wing Dome is exactly what it sounds like listeners outside of the Seattle area. It is a... It's a restaurant <laughs> that serves wings, and of course, it was named after the now long gone Kingdom. I think, right? That makes sense to me. Oh, I never thought about that, mm. but I'm sure that's it. Yeah, yeah. and then you so, know This just reminded me of too is friend of the podcast and our mutual friend Carrie, who oh, will yes. not who will not eat chicken off the bone for this exact oh. reason that you mentioned. Mm-hmm.
1: I know. Yeah. I love that girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, Mike got me back. When I met him the first time I toured uh, his house, I noticed on his bedside table a book called The Crimson and the White, which is historical fiction. And I I didn't comment on it, but I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm dating a man who reads historical fiction. This is just fabulous. And I, I even sort of kind of peeked it open, and I saw it was inscribed to him. And so I thought, oh my gosh, he went and met the author. And, you know, I mean, this is just... Fantasy. And later I learned that his sister, who worked at Costco, the author had come through and done a book signing, and she had gotten that book signed for him. He did, in fact, read it, but I do believe it was the first and last historical fiction
0: he ever picked up in his so, life. Are you saying he put it there like he was staging the house, basically, for you? You know, like, you no, know, I'm going to put this, this book here so no. Andrea's matter. Gonna... No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, no. In his defense, he actually was
1: reading it, but had oh. his sister not, um, you know, gone. And gotten it for him and then given it to him, uh, he certainly would not have picked it up on Got his it. own. So um, right. I just built my, my you know, just as just as I, um, you know, gave him the impression that I loved nothing more than <laughs> sitting down to a big platter of chicken wings, uh, he gave me the impression he loved nothing more than curling up with a good historical fiction. And we both quickly learned. <laughs>
0: That those were two things not to be repeated throughout the marriage. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's a great, wow, we got got to chicken wings from, um, (laughs) (laughs) whoops. Chalk from a chocolate fountain, somehow. Yes, etiquette. It covers it all, right? I it mean, does. It, does. it does. It absolutely does. Um, well, Andrea, we are going to shift um, briefly to uh, our language lab, which we haven't been in the language lab for a little bit of time. And since we're kicking off potlucks and talking about a crumble, uh, we had a listener on Facebook who kind of threw down a challenge and said, Hey, you guys should do uh, the same fruit base, but then do a variety of toppings and see what you like best. And I think that's a great uh, challenge that we might revisit. But in the meantime, I thought we would just clear up some confusion about what all of these names mean. There are so many. Uh, Crumble, oh, Crisp, Cobbler, Grunt, Slump, Betty. Uh, so essentially... Buckle. buckle. thank you. Uh, essentially, we're talking about a dessert that starts with a baked fruit. So that's kind of the, the run through of all of these desserts. They have that in common. You could be doing, you know, apples, cherries, stone fruits... You name it, but it's going to have a baked fruit component. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. The crumble and the crisp are essentially the same, and they have a crispy topping uh, that has some butter, flour, sugar, usually oatmeal, and sometimes nuts, but those Mm -hmm. two can be uh, pretty much interchangeable. Then we're on to our cobbler, which is what we... um, think of, uh, with has a biscuity topping, uh, more like a fluffy, fluffy biscuit you would plop on top. A buckle, as you just mentioned, has the pastry underneath the fruit, and it's more cakey. When the mixture oh. cooks, then the cake kind of puffs up, making the fruit buckle, hence the name. Oh, okay. A grunt and a slump are the same Ugh. thing. <laughs> I know. I have issues. Like I have a dump cake issue. I knew <laughs> I knew you were yeah. going to run flag it. Oh, Want some all blackberry gloves? Right. <laughs> Call it what you will. All that it means is that it's a cobbler baked on the oven, on the stovetop instead of in. Um, sorry, on the stovetop instead of in the oven. So, um, oh, they, okay, yeah. So they got their name though. So they, it's kind of more steamed than baked. Well, I think like of it like, um, you know, like a chicken and dumpling soup. It's like that. Yeah. How you have the you would have the fruit kind of bubbling away, and then you're dropping in the biscuit dough. So it's just stovetop. Yeah. And those okay. got their name, bec- the grunt, because you won't like this, but kind of the sound it makes when the fruit's bubbling, you know, kind of at a slow cooking rate. And oh, then the- I, pr- I prefer to call that a thump, like a thump, <laughs> thump, thump, not a grunt. The, grunt, fruit. grunt. <laughs> the fruit thump. Now we have a new entry here to contend with. Um, and the slump is from what the sound it makes as you're serving it onto the plate and what it does. So it kind of slumps onto your plate there. Um, And then finally, the other one is a brown betty, and that is like a crisp, but it uses breadcrumbs, and also it's more layered. So these other desserts either have the uh, bread component on the bottom or the top, but not both, but a brown betty does have both. So those are just a
1: brown betty. Quick rundown. Brown betty might be my dessert because I love that crusty layer, so I love the idea of having it on both top and bottom.
0: I do too, and I think that's the one I've never made
1: I think I haven't either. Now, did you mention how the cobbler got
0: its name? Well, it's because it looks like a cobblestone street.
1: Yes, I love that. (laughs) When I saw that, I thought to myself, well, that's
0: obvious. I don't know why I've never thought of that before. (laughs) I think that's my favorite because I love those really, uh, you know, it's obviously like the most substantial and caloric as well. That's probably why I go for it.
1: In keeping with our potlucks and picnics theme, the wonderful thing about cobblers and crumbles and brown betties and all of these things is they can all be made in a really large pan. So I think you can adjust your proportions accordingly to the event that you're going to. And like I mentioned earlier, once you, you know, they're not necessarily beautiful to look at. I think they're they're cute. You know, they're definitely homemade looking. But once you take that first scoop out and you start putting it on people's plates or people start serving themselves... It, you know, it's going to look fine. I mean, it's not just this beautiful pie that suddenly has, you know, half a slice out of it or or that kind of thing. So I think they just work really well at potlucks. And it also works because people can take a taste. They don't have to take an entire slice. They can take a tiny spoonful or they can take a big spoonful. And depending on how many different desserts they want to try, that can come in really
0: handy. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think um, also they're really delicious. Uh, and my preferred way to eat them is, uh, you know, warm with preferably some ice cream oh, on top. Yes. But they actually can work um, room temperature also. So if you're, you know, un- unable to take something kind of piping hot right to your potluck, it's yeah. still really good just at, at the room temperature of your event, too. Yeah, that's a really good point. And typically doesn't need refrigeration.
1: So it can sit out at the table and, you know, be there for an hour or two without
0: people being concerned about it needing to be
1: um, kept cool. Yeah, absolutely.
0: A potluck winner. So I can't wait to try our peach and blueberry and uh, get some good feedback next week.
1: Me too. Listeners, I hope you will um, join us next week and try that peach and blueberry crumble from Barefoot Contessa. Our timer's buzzed, and we've got to get back to our dishes. Join us next week as we continue to beat the summer heat with an outdoor summertime favorite that we're making inside an easy no-bake indoor s'mores bar. We'll also take a look at that classic summer vacation, the road trip, and talk about how to pack and prepare for eating along the way. And finally, we'll review that peach and blueberry crumble we've been talking about. Hey, isn't our theme music awesome? It's by Anne-Marie Russell, featuring Nathan Eklund on Trumpet. You can find Anne-Marie's music on Amazon and iTunes or her website, annemarierussell.com. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook, Pinterest, or download us both on Apple Podcast or Google Play, where we'd love it if you subscribe to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.